Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Your attention, please. Guys, we've learned so much. The first thing we've learned is that Jesus is going to be riding on a white horse. But it also says we are too. Okay? It's on a white horse. Now, do you remember the significance? You go, I'm not sure. Well, white horse, guys, was a symbol of wealth and honor. Okay? When Jesus came the first time, what was he? He was, he was born in a stable. Right? He was born in a trough. He was born where the animals ate. Was no king? Are you kidding me? But now he's riding a white horse. And it's also a symbol of power, of power. So you've got wealth, and you've got honor, and you've got power. Put your minds, a mindset on, on the Jewish people. You go, why? Well, back then, when the Jews employed that of a horse, guys, it was, well, particularly a horse in warfare, it was unusual, okay? Because it indicated a great force or great armies. So, okay, put your thinking caps on. You're walking with Mo, okay, Moses. You're walking with Moses, and you're headed to the promised land, and you have all these great promises of God. Hey, this is going to be great, Melly. This is going to be great. It's going to be so sweet. We're going to be promised land. No more slaves. No more slaves. And all of a sudden, you come to the place where there's the, the, the Red Sea in front of you, and you're going, okay, well, this is trippy. And you kind of look to the back, and you realize there's mountains on the right and the mountains on the left, but what do you hear? You hear something that you think might be thunder, but it's not thunder. What is it? Horses and chariots, right? Horses, because Egypt had, had created a vast army. So you're like, oh. you're totally freaked out. You're totally, wow. Because to you, it, it signified this great force. So what were your thoughts? Well, we can't go back because that's where the great army is. We can't go forward because we'll all drown. So what do we do? We do what we do best. What's that? We complain. We complain. Oh, God, what do you, I can't believe you did this. We're right here. There's water. Oh, mountains. Oh. Until Moses gets up and he says, hey, be still. Be still and watch the hand of the Lord. And isn't that great encouragement for us? Because right now in your life, you might feel just like the Israelites did. You go, I have no retreat. I can't go forward. This storm, this thing is in my and the Lord's like, be still. Be still. I'm going to get you through it. I'm going to get you through it. Hang on. Hang on. What we got to be careful about, what we got to be careful about is death. Because the world has made death so serious that for the believer, it's not really death. It's simply moving from one place to another. And what we have to realize is that we're all going to die. Can I get an amen? I mean, we really are. If the Lord Jesus doesn't come back, I can guarantee, guarantee, a hundred years from now, none of us are going to be here. If the Lord doesn't come I can guarantee that. 
So we're all going to taste death. But for the believer, we should not fear death because Jesus already conquered death. He lives in us, and it's simply moving out of this body into heaven, which is way better. It's way better. Guys, you and I, we have to look for stuff here on earth to be grateful. We have to really look. Oh, okay, let's be happy. Let's be joyful. Let's, let's embrace those moments. But in heaven, it's the Lord. Guys, think about it. In your life, you're going to make it through. He's going to take you through the storm. And if sometimes that means, oh, well, well, let's, let's, let's address the elephant in the room. You go, what's that? Well, well, they had COVID and they died. Okay, that, that happens. We see that. They contracted this awful, ugly disease and they didn't make it. Were they believers? They were believers. Then we should rejoice. Although we're going to miss them on earth, I understand that. But we need to go, okay, God, we trust your sovereignty. What's the sovereignty of God? You want to know what the sovereignty is, God? You're not going to die one minute before you're supposed to. God has his plans. He knows exactly. If, if you are a fully devoted follower of Jesus, you're not going to go one minute before he says you're going to go. You're not. You're not going to be late either. So we have to, what, church? Trust the Lord. We have to trust the Lord. So how do we gain that faith? How do we have that faith? Here's the thing, guys. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Let me give you a personal testimony, okay? And this is the truth. Before Radio by Grace came, okay, we had it on normal. I I had it on normal radio stations, whatever it would be. Right? We were listening to oldies or whatever it might be. But I got to tell you, my faith has increased since Radio by Grace has come because all I do is I get in the truck and I'm listening to teaching, even if it's ten minutes here or there. I was like, "Wow, oh, that's good. That's good. I'm going to steal that. My church won't know. I'm going to steal that unless they're listening." And they'll go, "You sure you stole that? Yeah, yeah. The pastor was good." Yeah. But my faith is increased. Why? Because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing the nightly news. No, it means hearing the word of God, guys, and applying the word of God. That's how my faith is going to grow. Now, I'm a long ways from where I want to be. You understand? I want to be, I want to be this close to, I want my Jesus, my my God. I want to be there, but I'm not. But I know this. You ready? Let me give you back the encouragement. You're going to make it through. You're going to make it. If you're a believer, you're going to make it. He's got you. He's got you. So go to sleep tonight. Put your head on the pillow and don't worry. He's got you. I don't know, Pastor. I don't know how it's all going to work out. It'll work out. It'll work out. That's who God is. So the Jewish people, guys, back in our text, would see the white horse. And, of course, wow, they would see Jesus on the white horse. Here's the army. Here's where he's going. He's going, oh, my goodness, there's no one that can stand against him. Why? Because not only does it speak of power and it speaks of honor and wealth, it also speaks of victory, guys, victory. But he also do this. Jot this down. When John sees him in a white horse, it also speaks of swiftness. Swiftness, which means the battle is just going to be that quick, that quick. I mean, the enemy he's going to conquer is going to be done. 
Okay? I think the prep time, come on somebody, the prep time for the Battle of Armageddon is going to take all the seven years. Or they might already be prepping now. But it's going to be done quick. The Lord's like, nope. 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 So we see John sees him in a white horse. We talked about that. And, and last week, guys, we also noted something amazing. What's that? He comes riding in a white horse, but, but he says, but this, but he's also faithful and true. And that really, that really just spoke to my heart. Why? Because now remember those in heaven who encounter the Lord, they never question what he does. People in heaven are not, are not, are not folding their arms going, I don't know what you're doing, Lord. They've encountered the Lord. They trust his sovereignty and they don't question him. Faithful and true. Faithful and true. Like so many times, guys, on earth, if I'm honest with you, I've questioned the Lord. Why, Lord? What about this? How come? Oh, no. But I believe the closer we get to Jesus, come on, somebody, the closer we get to Jesus, that goes away. The questioning sort of goes, hmm. And then you tend to go, I don't know. But I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord. Our goal as believers is to have a huge heavenly perspective. A huge heavenly... This is... this is I'm, Man, I want to be so heavenly-minded about all that God is doing and who He is that even things on earth, I'm just like, okay, yeah, eh. Well, how does that happen? Well, listen, guys, it, God, is, God is, 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 is wanting us to become mature in the Lord. He's wanting us to grow through the teaching of the Word of God. Okay? Why? Because when a, when a mature person, um, when you become more mature in the Lord, honestly, the less you question God. That's, that's the purpose, to grow. Now, let me just say this, okay? That that doesn't necessarily mean that we understand God. Well, listen, I've been walking with Jesus for 25 years. I understand who God is. Sometimes you go, I don't understand. Come on, help me, somebody. But I trust him. Come on, somebody. I don't understand, but I trust him. Yeah, but I trust him. I don't understand, Rosa, but I trust him. I don't know why all this is going on. I don't know why all this is going on. But I trust him. Guys, that's when he says, righteous and true. He is faithful and true. He is faithful and true. Now, in verses 12 to 16, guys, we see an amazing description. Why? His eyes are like, remember, eyes of fire, head of many crowns. I mean, God... He just, John just gives us an incredible description. Now, please understand, remember the difference. When John walked with Jesus on this earth, it was, I see, I see the tears that he cried. I see, man, I hug him. I mean, I, I, I understand this is Jesus, but now he's like, wow. Wow. He sees just an incredible description. This is a radical description of Jesus. 
This is radical. I know, John, I know what John was thinking, man. And this is not the Jesus I walked with on earth. This is, whoa. To be honest with you, Jesus was meek and mild. I mean, we had great conversations. As a matter of fact, he kept telling me, get off my, get off my chest. I mean, John, okay, go sit over there for a little while. You're good. You're good, buddy. But, but Lord, I love you, you know? And, and, but that's not him. This is, this is different. This is, this is, this is different. This is astonishing. And then John writes, guys, in verse 13, he was clothed in a robe drip, dipped in blood, and his name is called, notice what his name? His name is called the Word of God. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because Jesus is the Word made flesh. He has given us written Word to reveal himself. The written Word. Really simple. You ready? You want to know Jesus? You want to know him? Study his Word. Because this is what he just said. His name is called the Word of God. The Word of God. Guys, it's all about attitude. When we read the Old Testament, and we're in the book of Jeremiah right now through our one-year study, we can say, man, look for the Lord. Look for the Lord. When we read in Philippians, Colossians, all of those when we're in the Psalms, it's, it's the Word of God. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. He is the Word of God. And then in verse 14, it gets even better, right? You ever, you ever go to a movie where it's good, but then it gets better? It's like, oh, I didn't even expect that. Verse 14, right? And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Who is that, guys? Church, that's you and I. That's us. Okay, and and you know what? I love the fact. Here's a great lesson. I love the fact that I I often tease that the Lord's going to be Ben. You need to get your own horse. I want to be so close that He's going to say, Ben, you need your own horse. Get off mine, kind of thing. Okay, I tease about that, but I do want to bring out this point. I wonder what heaven's going to be like in the armies of God as far as rank goes, because I believe there's going to be humility. And say, Lord, we're just honored to be here. I'll, I'll be wherever you want me to be. Melly's not going to be going, I want to be sitting next to Jesus. Let's go. We're, we're going to go, okay, Lord. But I think it's a great lesson. Because God calls us, church, to be humble here. To walk in humility. To, to esteem others higher than ourselves. How hard is that? Lift up. Okay. To look at the, not only our affairs, but the affairs of other people, to help people. That's what he calls believers to do. Well, you don't understand. No, to, to walk in humility. You know what does that mean? That means when we sin, we say we're sorry. We, we truly mean it. I'm so, will you please forgive me? I acted like a jerk. I acted like, I'm sorry. Will you, you know? When we're, come on, men, when we're rude to our wives, that we can humbly come and say, I am sorry. Will you please forgive me? That's important. Because, men, we're supposed to be the spiritual leaders of our home. We represent Jesus, not only to our wives and our children, our grandchildren, we represent. And I know it's hard. I need, I need the Holy Spirit all the time. Help me.
It's hard. But God is calling us to be humble. So, the armies. And then, okay, so let's move on because we've got to jump into our text. So last week, what did we see? Notice verse 15. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that he would strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe, check this out, and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is not little baby Jesus coming for Christmas. This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to take this description right here, and I'm going to put it in my pocket because I know there's a lot of people who are haters of my God. They really are. They hate everything that God stands for and who he is and his character. And they they think that they're going to fight him in the Battle of Armageddon, but right here, he is the conquering king. And even when I live in a world that goes, Lord, do you see such evil in the world? Do you see what man has become? Do you see, Lord, I mean, would you, Lord, please, would you give us a win? We need a win on something, God. We feel like evil is just rampant and there's nothing we can do about it. God, I know he's still the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and I know he's coming as the conquering king. So I can sit back and just go, God, I don't know. Help me. I don't understand, but I still trust you. Because your word tells me you're the king of kings and you're the conquering king. So how this, how is this going to go down? Well, let's go. Let's pick up our study. Verse 17. John says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God that you may eat the king, the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of the mighty, the flesh of horses, and all those who sit on them, and the flesh of all the peoples, notice, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to do what, Ben? To make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, And with him, the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire with brimstone, and the rest were killed with a sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Wow. Wow. I just described to you the battle that's going to take place in the valley of Megiddo. This is going down. So watch how this plays out. So the armies of the world that are loyal to the Antichrist are going to gather to prevent what? The return of Jesus Christ. That's really what they're going to do. Psalm 2 actually gives us some insight into this scene. It says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot the vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel against the Lord, against his anointed one, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast their cords 
from us. That's Psalm 2. Now, why? What's the question? What do we have to answer? Here's why. Listen. Mankind, man has been trying to forever throw off the authority of God. Can I get an amen? Because you've got to understand what that means. Okay? Revelation 19 is the final attempt. But let me say this again. Man has forever to, has been trying forever to throw off the authority of God. This is why people don't want to get saved. They don't want to get saved. They don't want to commit their lives to Christ because then now they have to come under the authority of God. You know, no, 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 no. I don't want to come under the authority of God. I want to do my own thing. I want to have my own fun. I want to be my own boss. What do we say? I want to be my own God. But when we realize in humility and we're born again, we go, I need to come under the authority of God. What does God do? God then heals us. He saves us. And then he begins to reveal us. And sometimes that doesn't look too good, does it? Because you've been, you can be walking with Jesus for 20 years, 25 years, and then he reveals something in your heart, and you're like, oh, ooh, I didn't know this was there. Lord. And he says, no, no, in the right time, I want to reveal that to you so that you can deal with it. But Lord, it stinks. I know. I know. But man's doing this. Man's always been doing this. Hey, how many of you want to give your life to the Lord? No, you know, and I'll have to be that Christian guy, and, and man, we'll have to do Christianity, and I just, you know, mm, no, I'm good. Or, or they'll even attack you, won't they? And they'll say, hey, or, or they'll say stuff like, well, that Jesus is just, he's just a crutch to you. You know, I'm my own, I'm my own man. He's just a crutch. And you know what? To me, Jesus is not a crutch. He's a stretcher. He's everything I need. I can't do life without him. You understand that? We can't do life without him. He has to be our first and our last and everything in between. Jesus, please. Revelation 19, church, is that final attempt. The armies of the world that could do nothing but fight against one another, guess what? Have now found aligned with one another against God. Against God. You go, Ben, what does that mean? Well, right now, you have, you have a big hoopla going on in the Middle East. They can't get along, right? But all of a sudden, all of these countries are going to go, oh, we'll get along as long as we're fighting against God. Against God. Now, here's what I want you to note. The greatest moment of in unity in the history of the world, the greatest unity, I think that was somebody's campaign. I'm not going to say one way or another. Unity, but the greatest unity, think about this, in the history of the world will occur as a result against the, against the, the hatred against God. That's when you're going to see a united front. But you go, Ben, I don't plan to be here. Good, me either. Maybe we'll get a bird's eye view from heaven. I don't know. But according to the wedding, the Jewish wedding, we're having a great time, so we're not going to be worried about down here. But maybe we'll be on white horses looking. Wow, look at all the, they're all in, 
These people hated each other. Now they're in, okay, let's go. Let's go. Now today, guys, we stand in awe of such a collection of military technology and might, all gathered in one force. But God looks at them and nothing more than what? Than fat grapes waiting to be trampled in the wine press. Do you remember the wine press in Nazareth? Do you remember that? Didn't that, didn't that come to mind? Because you, you just step on the grapes. You step on, and, 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 the, and it goes right into the wine press. There, there's a, there's, and, and this is what God's doing. He's going, okay, okay. Psalm 2, 4 and 5 continues, um, says, He who sits on the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision, and he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress upon his deep displeasure. They gather to come together like a tough guy. We'll show you, Jesus, and Jesus will laugh at them, and then he'll speak and destroy them with his word. But really what's going on right now, to be honest with you, is it really breaks my heart. Does it not break your heart? And you say, why? Because all of us in this room know that there are people that are going to be left behind. There are people we know that know a lot about God that believe that they're saved that may not be saved. And one or two things are going to happen when the rapture takes place. Either they're going to be repentful and breaking down, and we know what, we know what the result is, right? They're going to have to give their life for God in the tribulation. Or they're going to get super angry and they're going to want to fight against God. So here's my question. Here's my question real quick, and then we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. But here's my question. Um, the mark. When you take the mark in Revelation 13, now I say you, but I don't mean you guys because we're all out of here. But when people take the mark, we know that that's going to be forced, okay? The word causes goes, I don't care who you are, you're taking it. And if you refuse, you will be killed. You will be beheaded. Okay, so you are going to need to either be beheaded for the fact that you love Jesus. Please just don't be beheaded because you don't want to take a mark. But think about the mark. I want to I want to throw some I want to get you guys just to just to be thinking. Think about the mark. Think about the mark. You're not going to have a a choice. Not going to have a choice. And he causes Right there. You're not going to have a choice. I don't care if you're the president or you're the lowest. Whatever you might be, he says, and he ca- if you take the mark, you are selling your soul to the devil. You are forever condemned to be in hell. You guys understand that, right? Okay? So, so <laughs> I tell people, listen, if you're not going to listen to anything I say, don't take the mark. Don't take the mark. And then you go, well, Ben, we're living in a world that's kind of a preview to the mark. Right? We have, we have some, um, QR codes that might, um, indicate that that's a mark, but it's more for the COVID and, and, and so we see all this filtering, all this filtering. But we have enough people, Mike, help me out on this. We have enough people standing up going, no, 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 we're not going to do this. Or no, 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 this is unconstitutional. Or no, 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 we, this is, whatever it might be. We still have, What has to happen 
in the tribulation where you're not going to have a choice. Something has to be gone. Something has to be gone. And I just wonder, I want you to think about this for a little bit. I want you to roll, not right now, because we're going to get in communion here in just a minute, but I want you to think about this. What has to happen where nobody's going to be able to stand and say, no, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not taking your mark. Well, it's unconstitutional. Well, Something has to be gone. Something has to be gone. So back in our scenario, let me see if I can paint the picture. The nations are destroyed. Okay. Uh, verse 20 tells us that the Antichrist and the false prophet guys become inhabitants of what we call the lake of fire. If you're taking note, this is Gehenna. Gehenna, this is a lake of fire. Okay, so they're cast in there. Now, this is amazing to me. Why? Because Satan spends seven years plotting this battle. How are we going to get him there? Seven years putting the Antichrist into place. Now, remember, you have the beast. Everybody, you got the beast. Okay, Satan. You got the Antichrist. And then you got the false prophet. This is the unholy trinity right here. Now, the Bible just told us, guys, that the Antichrist, whoever he is, and the false prophet are going to be cast into the lake of fire. Now, Satan has been spending all of his time setting up his systems, getting things into this place, and it's going to literally end in a moment. How? By the spoken word of the Lord. He's coming down, he's like... That's how powerful God is. Please don't forget that. Sometimes we feel like God's patience means that he's not powerful. No, he's just patient. And he's waiting. And he loves people. And he doesn't want to see anybody perish. But we must not mistake God's patience for him. Not knowing what's going on or is not powerful. He's going to do this. Now, remember, remember. The question back at the beginning of our study. Why, Jesse, why would man want to battle an awesome, powerful God? I mean, it just blows your mind, right? Because this is the gathering of nations, and it testifies to the incurable insanity of sin. That's what it does. Satan, who could not prevail against Michael, the archangel actually thinks he's going to prevail against God. And man has actually been warring against God for the last 6,000 years, even, right, even though he's been defeated time and time again. Guys, we see this insanity growing as we see, man, this, this war going on that's going to actually accumulate to uh, Armageddon. How so? Well, think about this. The humanists are making war against God and those who believe in God. As a matter of fact, even today, they don't want the name of God mentioned in schools. We have, throughout the years, methodically have taken God out of everything, and then we stand here and wonder what's going on. But we know the humanists don't want God. Listen, but you love God. You love God. Have you seen God? I haven't really seen him, but you love him. How? By faith, I know he's there. I feel him. He's in my heart. 
I feel in me. Guys, you understand, you love God. And your desire is to go be with him one day, forever. That's your desire. And, and it doesn't matter where you live. I just want to be there. I just want to be there. You understand. You understand just how the passion that you have. I want to see, I want to see Jesus. This is so cool. But here on earth, let's take Jesus out of everything. Let's take God out of everything. Let's take. Guys, there's people, even now, we see this. They're, they protest. What do they protest? They protest everything. If you put a cross in your front yard, your neighbors will protest. If they, 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 they'll protest what? The nativity scenes in public places. They protested the Ten Commandments. We need to take the Ten Commandments down. Well, if you don't believe in God, why are you upset that these are his Ten Commandments? Well, we just... And we have. We have. And the world has gotten even, even crazier. Even today. TV, guys, they produce TV shows and movies that ridicule Jesus and those who believe in him. They do. Oh, Lord, would you convict my heart on those things that are not pleasing to you? That I allow in my eye gate and my ear gate? Well, I don't want to be so culturally cool that I'm like, oh, that's fun. But really go, no, Lord, that breaks your heart. I don't need to watch this. In the name of entertainment? Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Because it's insanity, guys, and it's only going to grow more intense until man is insane enough that he thinks he can stand toe-to-toe with God himself. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Now, here's our application question. You ready? Are we fighting against God? What do you mean? Well, I just wonder, are we, are, we, are we calling ourselves fully devoted followers of God, Christians, and, in, and, and fighting against God? You see, that's a question I had to ask myself. Lord, Lord I don't, I don't want to do this because, because Luke chapter 6 and verse 46 says this. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I will show you whom he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream, and the, and the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock, but he who uh, heard and did nothing is like a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Listen, if we're Christians, I implore you, myself, obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. Don't fight against him. God, God, I know your word says this, but I want to do. We have to come to the place where we humble ourselves and say, Lord, this is your word. I need to be obedient to it. I need to. For no other reason than that, but that we love you. For no other reason. Guys, I would, I would hate 
that the Lord would say that to any one of us. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? I, I, I. Lord, I love you. I, I don't want to do that. I want to be obedient. You know, there's a, there's a civil war going on, right? Between your spirit and your flesh. There's a civil war because your flesh, I mean, even today I was praying. I said, Lord, it really is true. I said, I was in my office and I was praying. And I said, Lord, you know what? My spirit wants to worship you and it wants to walk close to you. And I can just, oh, that's all I want to do. But I got to be honest with you, Lord, my flesh is weak. It wants to do what it wants to do. Which one, which one is going to dominate my life? Which one's going to dominate your life? Let me tell you this. The one you feed will dominate. If you sow to the, if you sow to the flesh, that's what's going to dominate. If you sow to the spirit, that's what's going to dominate. And you'll be able to say, nope, not going to do that. Nope. Nope. Well, come on, bro. Why won't you do that? I love Jesus, man. No, not going to do it. I'm going to obey his word. I'm going to obey his word. What are some things? What are some things that allow us to sow to the flesh? You want to know a big one? Social media. Social media. They figured it out. They figured it out that these little clips are just short enough and just long enough that it'll get you. Somebody said the other day, how long did it take you to figure out when you downloaded TikTok that you were addicted? You said, wow, let me see. And you kept scrolling, yeah, you keep going through. Does that not sow to the flesh? It does. We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. What are the things that sow to the flesh? Well, we have a lot of stuff that we could watch on. on I mean, listen, I don't have time to, to, to develop this, but I don't know about you guys, but, man, I, I, I have a friend that I work out with. He's, he's 28 years old. He works at the gym, and he's told me about a new movie or new series on Netflix that was really just freaky. I was like, What? Hey, have you seen this? This is the, it's trending now. You guys might know what it is, but it's trending and it's really, wow. But, but it, it kind of sucks you in, doesn't it? Oh, I want to, I want to see that. I want to, I want to be careful. Just be careful. Cause I know what you're thinking. I went to Calvary Chapel and he told me I couldn't watch TV. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is let's sow to the spirit. Let's sow to the spirit. On your chair? On your chair? You know, the chair you sit on, you drink your coffee, have your Bible there. Have another Bible there. Just read the Bible. Just read the Bible. Tune in to Radio by Grace, man. man you, when we leave here, Pastor Skip will be on. I mean, there's some great, there's some great teachings. Oh, I love it. I love it. Be careful what we listen to. So Jesus, guys, in the end, Jesus is all that he said he was. 
faithful, true. He's the word. He's power. He has broken the shackles of sin. His desire so much that, that we could not even ever imagine. And so you go, well, Ben, what was the point? Here's the point. I believe that now it's time for us to wake up, to walk right, to worship him, because we win. We win. Think about chapter 19. Think about 19, guys. It really is, you can jot this down, it's the chapter of two feasts, is it not? You go, two feasts? Yeah. You see, we have the wedding feast in verses 7 to 10. It's the wedding feast that just, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. But then there's another feast, and it's the feast that the birds get to eat. And what wedding feast, what feast do we want to be at? I definitely don't want to be at the second one. Do you know that the Bible says that the blood from Megiddo all the way through Jerusalem is going to be as high as the horse's bridle? Three to four feet high running through the valley from this battle? No, I want to be at the wedding feast. I want to be at the wedding feast. You go, well, I am too. Well, let me say this. What's our job then? Because heaven is secure, then we need to tell other people, don't we? We need to share our hearts. We need to love people back to life and say, hey, man, we, need, we want to love you into the kingdom. We want to love you into the kingdom. That's what we need to do. So, guys, as we close chapter 19, let's take some time right now just to prepare our hearts. Okay? Communion is open to all believers. But you want to make sure that you're a believer. And as we come up here and we just, we just uh, allow the music, we're going to sing two songs. Well, Mel's going to sing two songs. One of them is, is Give Us Clean Hands. And so just take the time during that song, just to, Lord, where am I? You go, why? Because remember what communion is all about. What communion is all about, guys, it's, it's something special and it's amazing. And every time we take communion, guys, what we're doing is we're declaring the death or burial and res- the, the, the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus and that he's coming back for us. And so as much as it's, oh, Lord, I need to check my heart, it's also a celebration. Wow, I'm saved. I'm saved. This is great. This is great. As you prepare your heart for communion, just remember, we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot in the book of Revelation, right? But what we understand is information just puffs us up. What we need is application. Well, how so? Well, God's word guys, is to change sinful hearts. So let's take time to really grasp Jesus coming back to earth right after the seven-year tribulation. You go, Ben, what do we need to do? Well, as we celebrate him tonight, first and foremost, here's what we want to do. We want to look deep within our hearts, guys, and confess those things that are not pleasing to him. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my attitude. Forgive me for my whatever it might be. Give me. 
I want you to look deep within your heart. That's what Paul says when he writes to the Corinthians. And when you're done there, take a moment to look look back, if you will, at all the things, the Lord. And let's have an attitude of gratitude. Lord, not only am I confessing my sin, I want to thank you for all that you've done for me. I want to thank you for blessing me. I want to thank you for loving me. I want to thank you for guiding me. I want to thank you, Lord. This is so cool. And last but not least, guys, I want to look forward. Look forward, because soon and very soon, we're going to be partaking communion with Jesus in heaven. Because he said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to partake in this until I do it with all of you. And if he was from Texas, he'd say, all y'all. I'm not going to do it until all y'all are with me in heaven. And so the fact that we're taking it tonight means that we're not in heaven yet. But soon, and very soon. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your great love for us. Father, we want to take a moment, God, and um, prepare our hearts for communion. And we would ask, God, that you would bless it, Lord. And we would pray, Lord, that, that we would be able to pray with our families, to be able to pray with our spouses, all the things that you've asked us to do, that we would confess our sin to you right here on this altar. That, Lord, even now, you would speak to us. Thank you, Jesus. So as Mel leads us in worship, guys, you are free to come up here and partake, spend some time worshiping God, and... um, We'll close it out at 8.30. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.